Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time zone it is that you're tuning in from. I'm Coach Latham, and welcome to the After Action Review Podcast. You can learn more about my life coaching services by visiting my website at www.empoweringlifechanges.net. Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter for daily affirmations at Coach Latham underscore PhD. It is my pleasure to have your ear as we learn and grow together. Thank you so much for tuning in. Latham. I'm a life coach and uh, I have a life coaching company called Empowering Life Changes. And today's episode, it actually was scheduled for a little bit later in the month, but it was just on my heart to go ahead and start rolling through this material for today. Um, Today, we're going to focus on mental health being wealth. Again, today's episode is going to be focused on mental health being wealth. Where did it come from? As I was listening to some other podcasts uh, and then just thinking about some different calls for service that I had been making uh, at work over these last couple weeks, and also just conversations with friends and family, um, it was just important to take time to do an episode that was dedicated solely to talking about our mental health and different triggers and ways that we can improve upon that. Listen, when I say that this episode was not scheduled, I actually have a coaching session coming up at 9 a.m. It's like 28 minutes from now. So this is not gonna be a a long episode like normal. Um, But there's gonna be a lot of good information here. So if you or someone you know is, is struggling or trying to cope with depression, anxiety, any different type of stress, anything that could be taking place, this is going to be a very impactful episode for you. Um, this month, I'm going to be focused on getting our bodies together, right? Not com- necessarily like completely just about exercise, but just all the different ways that we can get our body together and how by having a body in motion, it brings everything else up with that. Um, a couple of things that I do want to share with you before we get too deep into it is that if you or somebody you know feels like you want to hurt yourself, um, you do have some resources out there. The first one that I always like to talk about is the National Suicide Hotline. Uh, and I'm going to get that number for you here. Uh, So that phone number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. It's a 24-7 service. You can either call in or you can talk to them via the chat at their website. And that website is suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Again, that's suicidepreventionlifeline.org. 
Everything is confidential. You can share as much or as little about what you have uh, taken place. And again, that's for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So, uh, let's see, we moved through the intro. The next thing I want to tell you is that this week I'm actually going to be um, doing an episode with my good friend, Lindsay Watt. <laughs> I almost gave you her Instagram information. Lindsay Williams, and you can find her on Instagram at Lens, which is L-I-N-Z underscore WAGS, W-A-G-S. Now, Lindsay is, and she is an amazing and intelligent black woman, and I love her. Listen, I mean, you can see the smile on my face, and I hope you all can hear the smile if you're listening to the podcast. I adore Lindsay. She has been in my life for several years now, and um, I met her through my buddy Emery in D.C. Um, He used to talk about her, and then she's also on a podcast called Hard to Swallow. Uh, And her and Emery and uh, Lyrical Mar, and then if they have a a co-host, they just talk about all manner of things. And it's just so amazing to sit back and to listen to her perspective uh, and to learn from her. And then she also uh, does uh, screenwriting for a bunch of online series like Triangle, if you're familiar with that show. And then she has a number of other projects that she's working on. But uh, I'm going to allow her the space to introduce herself later this week um, when we get together and do our so, our show. So, um, But that's coming. In that uh, episode with Lindsay, we're going to be dealing with goal setting, um, how to properly use affirmations. Um, we're going to be talking about self-love. Um, I can't wait to have the discussion with her and to share it with you about um, what her life has been like from the perspective of a black woman, not just in corporate America, not just growing up um, in the city uh, within New York, but also working in the film industry and just, you know, because there's so many different layers to things. Um, We're going to be talking about mental health, acceptance, relationships, because everybody everywhere loves when we talk about relationships. Everybody is trying to find their way to have the best relationship that they can have. And I think it's important, um, especially that, you know, I have a guest who's uh, a little bit older than me that has a little bit more life experience. uh, and, And so she gets to bring in her own individual flavor of things. Uh, and then, of course, whatever else we come up with, uh, it's always a good time when I get to have a good friend on the show with me because, you know, you can kind of see the banter that we have going back and forth. So, again, um, I don't have too much time today, so I want to get right into the topic, okay? The first thing that I want to talk to you about is something that happens a lot to people in the workforce, Um it can even happen if you are a stay-at-home parent, right? And it's this phenomenon of overworking. And, and so it means exactly what it is. It means you're overworking yourself. You're working yourself ragged, right? Like you're working yourself to the point that you are just drop-dead tired day in and day out. Like you're working so hard that because you put up such a fight to stay up that when you get into the bed, right? You're like fighting to, to go to sleep. You're fighting to have a good sleep. And then when it's time for you to wake up, you're fighting to get out of the bed. 
Like you're just constantly fighting yourself. And there's this concept that we have to be um, booked and busy all the time, booked and busy all the time, right? If I'm not working on something, then I'm lacking. If I'm not working on something, then I'm failing. If I'm not working on something, then I'm wasting time. And that is not entirely accurate. And I want you to understand that rest and recovery is just as important as productivity, right? Like you cannot be your best all the time if you're entering into something and you're exhausted. You're entering into something and, and you're you know overly fatigued. You're entering into something and you can't even think straight. There's this uh, study that was completed and, and they proved that people who drive uh, drowsy, right? This usually happens on like long road trips, but it can also happen to you if you, if you work long hours, you drive long distances, anything like that. But people who drive drowsy are, are sometimes in worse driving conditions are comparable driving conditions to someone that is driving drunk. Like that's how serious this state of exhaustion can be to the body, right? You start making mistakes, you start missing information. Um, it leads to you having injuries, any kind of thing like that, right? So you have to take time for your body to decompress. One of the things that I enjoy doing with my morning routine is I get up and I really don't say too much. Now, if Jay is up, of course, you know, uh, I'll speak to him and, and we'll have our pleasantries in the morning and, you know, we'll chit chat and stuff. But when it's just me and Prince, we really don't have to say too much. Like I get up and I'm like, come on, let's go potty. And boom, that's, that's it. Like that's it for a while until Jay gets home, right? Or unless somebody calls me or something like that. But I found that because I have to talk so much at work, I really just enjoy when I get to be quiet and I just get to sit in the house and the house is quiet, right? Um, that's probably one of the reasons why I really enjoy reading because I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. I can, I can crack this book open anywhere that I'm at. I can dive into this book. I can create whatever kind of setting I need to set inside the book and it's relaxing, right? Because I'm doing nothing. I'm slowing myself down. And that is, is, is where you have to learn to get out of overworking yourself, right? It's not necessarily about being busy. There are a lot of people who are busy. But it's when you're busy, when you're working, are you moving the needle forward? Are you being productive? Because... I can do in two to four hours what it might take somebody with an eight hour block to complete. Why is that? Well, because I'm not expanding my work for the full eight hours. I'm expanding while well, I'm actually minimizing my work to be as efficient and productive as possible. And so I think the, the way the old quote used to go is that your work will expand to meet, you know, whatever time you set or something like that. Um, <clears throat> and so in using that, I honestly do set 
a shorter time frame for myself to get something done. Well, because I don't just want to be sitting there doing this for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. If I can get this done in a shorter amount of time, I want to get it done and be done with it and then move on to something else uh, or move on to something that I might enjoy more. So that's overworking. That is one thing that can lead us down a slippery slope of depression, anxiety, stress. Uh, Oh my God, there's so many different things that can happen with overworking. One of those being burnout. So here's how this occurs. And I'm glad that I actually had this set up this way. Sometimes people who overwork themselves are high performing um, depressive people, high functioning depressive people. There's so many different names for it, right? High functioning depression. And so what that means is that when they get depressed, they need to move around more. They need to do more, right? Because they don't want to sit in the depression. And so they want to keep moving, keep doing stuff. If I keep doing stuff, I don't have time to dwell on the depression. If I keep doing stuff, I don't have to worry about trying to work through it. And that's so far from the truth. Because you're going to have those quiet moments. You're going to have those down moments. You're going to have those times where there's nothing happening around you. And, and, and I see this so often in people that have trouble staying home. They have trouble being where it's quiet. They have trouble being alone. They have trouble sitting with themselves because they don't know how to process their thoughts. They don't know how to process those feelings. And when they are alone, it's like everything is closing in on them, right? All this stuff that they've been working, 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 working to not have to deal with, now, boom, you have to deal with it. So, Overworking is a part of being a high-functioning, depressed person. That then leads you to burnout. I saw this all the time in my old police agency. Um, I saw it when I worked for the insurance company. You see it in academics. You see it with uh, single parents. You see it with two-parent households. You know, you see it in grandparents. You see it in your romantic relationships, even in your relationship with yourself. Um, We all experience burnout. I don't care what it is that you're doing or how you're trying to do it. You're going to experience burnout at some point. Burnout occurs when you're not taking proper rest periods. Burnout is a sign of fatigue. Here's how this works. So you're steadily working towards something without taking the required number of breaks or necessary number of breaks because everybody's different. You work on it so much that now you almost hate it in a sense, right? And you start to loathe it. And the thing that gave you joy no longer brings you joy. Because you have invested so much into this without taking time to step away from it and and relax and shut things down. You can't even enjoy it anymore. Burnout is one of the leading reasons that we are losing nurses in this COVID crisis. It's one of the leading reasons that we're losing teachers. 
Um, it's one of the reasons that we're losing uh, higher uh, higher level educators. It's one of the reasons that you're losing your first responders, you're losing your cashiers, you're losing your servers, because the workload is just so much, and you can't keep pace. There's just not enough of you to go around. And as you continue to try to make ends meet, you start doing this thing where they call it burning uh, both ends of the wick. And so if you think of a candle, right, we usually light the top part. Well, there's still a wick at the bottom. And so when you light both ends of the wick, eventually when a fire meets itself, right, those flames meet up, they extinguish themselves. And that's what happens. Burnout leads to more stress, right? So stress comes in many, many different ways, right? You're going to get occupational stress, which is stress that you encounter at work, right? So as a police officer, um, I encounter occupational stress when I'm writing reports, right? Because of the length of them and just trying to make sure I capture everything that happened, I get occupational stress when I'm driving lights and sirens because people don't move out of the way. If I get into a collision, I'm responsible for that, right? Um, Occupational stress when I'm trying to talk to somebody that is in a mental crisis, right? I got to make sure I'm saying the right things. I got to make sure that I'm meeting them halfway or 75% or 90% because I'm trying to pull them back in and get them to willingly go with me to the hospital to be evaluated. Uh, If I'm dealing with a victim of domestic violence, even if I'm just taking a simple crash report or harassment report, right, there's still some level of occupational stress, right? Well, then you still have the hidden stressors that are within there, right? Policy changes, legal updates, um, benefits changes with your insurance plan, salary changes, right? When they have the contract negotiations, um, Even as an educator, right, and and working for multiple colleges, there's still occupational stress, right? I have to develop lesson plans. I have to read essays. I got to make time to read those essays. Um, I have to make time to respond to student emails and have phone calls with students, right? I got to check up on some students who aren't turning their work in. Um, And then there's reports that have to be sent back to the university about these students. There's so many different things that you have to do. You have your relationship stress, whether that's the relationship with yourself, right? Or the relationship that you have externally with your lover, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors. Um, and all of those relationships, oh my God, because they're even more intricate because you're trying to mesh all of these different people, right, into your life. That's additional stress. And then let's say you have kids, right? even more stress, right? And so you can see how stress can grow exponentially because there are just so many different things that we get involved in. In a moment, we're gonna talk about how we manage and handle stress because you just can't get away from it, right? It's just, there's no way to get away from it. The next thing I wanna talk to you about is the difference between grief and depression, okay? Grief is like a deep state of sorrow. So the last time I experienced deep grief was in 2017, July. That's when my great-grandmother passed away. 
I was in the police academy. She was very sick again. Uh, her cancer had returned, and she said she didn't want to go through the treatment process again because it was so hard on me. So, you know, having to come to terms with the fact that soon I was going to lose this very important person, right? It was very hard, um, very stressful. And then I still had to show up to work Monday through Friday because I wasn't in a position where I could get time off. Very stressful, right? Uh, and, and then just trying to make time to see her when I could because I knew that the clock was running out. Very, very stressful. And, you know, when she passed away, you know, cancer and terminal illnesses that, that give you like a few months to get ready are kind of like a blessing and a curse because you get to have a little bit of time where you can spend with the person and you start to work through the grief cycle through the five stages um but you're never really ready you know right you're never really ready and sometimes when you lose a really really important person there's just a piece of you that goes away that you never get back. And so then this is where depression comes in. And depression, there's so many different types of depression, right? There's clinical depression, there's persistent depressive disorder, there's bipolar, there's bipolar two, there's postpartum. Um, I mean, my God, there's so many different types of depression, but depression, affects your mood and that affects how you feel it affects what you say it affects how you react it affects how you act right you can be a very happy person a strong person a grounded person uh, and you can struggle with depression and and this is why i talked about the high functioning depression in the beginning because when you are the strong friend nobody thinks that you get sad, right? Nobody thinks that um, you ever go through something. And one of the things that we have really learned in our generation, and I'm so thankful for technology, um, is that we see so many celebrities, um, so many people that we look up to, uh, social media influencers, if you will, uh, and, and even normal people who seem to be living these really good lives, right? These very helpful uh, and intuitive people. And they end up killing themselves. And they're usually very young. And we say, wow, like I never would have thought this person would have done that. Like they just seem to have it all together. And that is the disguise of depression, right? You just seem like you have it all together, right? Like you've got the blessing, you've got the anointing, um, you've got the overflow, like your cup is never empty. You're just pouring here, pouring here, pouring here. You're just boosting everybody up. You have such like a magical aura around you. And then mm, everybody's just like, oh person killed themselves so i'm here to tell you that listen depression 
it's hard and it's sneaky and it will just come up on you at crazy times crazy times you can be feeling great in the morning and by lunchtime you can be very very low and nothing could have been taking place nothing and if there was something maybe you missed the trigger because depression dulls the senses and that's why I'm telling you I'm telling you as a young black man right I've, I've had my own struggles with depression and so I'm telling you, I'm cautioning you, I'm begging you that if you recognize that something doesn't feel right, something feels different from how you normally interact, right? You feel more irritable. You feel more aggressive. You're noticing that you're not eating the same. You're noticing that you're not finding enjoyment in the things that you used to like. Maybe you notice that your sex drive is off, right? Maybe you notice that your impulse control is off. You wouldn't normally send these text messages or you wouldn't normally take certain pictures of yourself, right? You wouldn't normally go to certain websites. Maybe there's different types of pornography that you normally wouldn't watch or, you know, different people that are trying to communicate with you that you normally wouldn't communicate with. There's so many different triggers that you really have to start trying to identify what yours are so that you can understand when you start to spiral, right? Everybody thinks it's like, oh, drugs and smoking and gambling. And yeah, those are some of the bigger uh, identifiers to depression. But listen, there's minor ones too, right? Maybe you decide you want to stop making the bed. Maybe if you have a pet, you decide you don't want to lay up with your pet. You don't want to cuddle the pet. You don't want to pet your pet, right? Maybe you like cooking and you notice that... I just really don't feel like cooking for myself right now. Or I don't feel like cooking for anybody. Maybe you like hosting parties and you say, well, you know what? I don't even want to like host any parties. Like I don't even want anybody over to my house right now, right? There are so many different things that could pop up. Um, it's so critical to, to take note of those triggers. Why? Because that's when the negative thought spiral starts, right? Starting to think that you're less than, starting to think that you don't deserve, starting to think that you're not worthy, starting to think that your life has no purpose, starting to think that now I'm hopeless, starting to think that I don't want to be here anymore, starting to think that it's okay if I hurt myself because nobody cares about me. You really have to catch yourself when you start to feel this way. Why can I tell you this with such conviction? Because I have lived it, one, right? Now, I've never tried to hurt myself, but I've had the thought, right, that maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe, you know, this is this is what I deserve. Like, I yeah, I deserve this, right? You know, because of the lifestyle that I'm living, I deserve this, right? So I understand that I relate to you there, right? But I'm here to remind you that, that you have to be open so that somebody can pull you out of there, right? And, and if you're not around somebody that can pull you out, listen, you have got a lot of work to do. I can't sugarcoat it. I can't, I can't minimize the impact of the amount of work that you are about to have to do to pull yourself out of this state of depression, right? But I'm telling you that if you stay in that space, if you stay in that space, 
it's hard to get out. So hard to get out. So we're going to take a break here. Uh, as Dave Chappelle would say, I got to go pay some bills. In reality, it is time for the uh, coaching session. So I'm going to play an ad. I'm going to take care of our session. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to close out talking about self-sabotaging behaviors. And then we're going to go into some positive coping skills and strategies. All right. So I will see you in just a second. All right. So I'm back. Um, We had an amazing session. God, yes, we did. Um, So I was closing out on talking about negative thoughts and when we start to uh, to spiral right and I was talking about the work that it takes to pull yourself out of that dark place Um, the next thing that I want to go into is self-sabotage so once we get into that negative thought cycle and then we start to have that negative spiral right self-sabotage is just kind of like the natural progression of things So I've talked before about what self-sabotage is, but let's just go back into it real briefly. So when we have our self-sabotaging behaviors, right, it's sending out those risky text messages. It's um, having one too many drinks. It can be overeating, right? It can be oversleeping. Um, Self-sabotaging behaviors can be like nitpicking, right, in our relationships, starting fake arguments, right, like um, irritated, so... I'm, I'm going to go piss somebody else off, right? Or I think that my partner is cheating on me. I'm going to just start treating them like they're cheating on me, right? Or I feel like my partner doesn't want to be with me. And I'm upset with them because they don't want to be with me. Well, how do you know you don't want to be with you? You never had a check-in. You haven't had the discussion, Right. So when we start to have these negative thoughts and we see ourselves going into these self-sabotaging behaviors, you have to pull yourself back. You got to slow yourself down. And, and so one of the things that, um, and I actually just talked about this in a past coaching session, is that <clears throat> when I am faced with a tough decision or something that is stressing me out, right? It's almost um, leading me to the point of feeling overwhelmed. Um, I ask myself, am I responding based on what's happening right now? Or am I responding based on um, an experience that I've had before? And if I'm responding based on what's happening right now, I know that that's something that I need to move forward with and I need to make a decision. If I'm responding based on how I felt before, right, and it's coming from a place of emotion, then I need to slow that thought process down um, before I make a decision based on an irrational set of emotions. So self-sabotaging behaviors, they come in many shapes, many forms. Um, Some people only have one. Other people have multiple self-sabotaging behaviors. And they may all come out uh, around the same time, at the same time, over time. There's no telling, right? But once you start identifying them, you got to slow it down, reel it in, and then start working to get back to where you need to be. Uh, And that is where the work is at. Like a lot of people think that the work going through therapy is... um, 
is in getting healed, right? Is, is in going through the healing process. There is a lot of work that goes in uncovering and, and pulling back all those layers, right? But the real work is in, is in trying to stay in that space, is in trying to use that skill set that you've learned to counteract, um, you know, years, decades of conditioning and, and behavioral cues, right? That is where the real work is at. And a lot of people will avoid therapy or avoid any kind of uh, analysis like that, a, a psychosocial analysis, because they just don't want to do that kind of work, right? It's just easier to be who I am. It's easier to stay in whatever state that I've been in. That in and of itself is a self-sabotaging behavior, right? If you are constantly the person that has um, relationships and friendships um, that are ending, uh, jobs that are ending, right? You're just transient. You're not able to maintain anything. Uh, and you think that you're not the problem or that you're not a part of the problem. That is a problem. So the last thing that I want to go into are, are positive coping skills, right? There are a ton of negative coping skills. And, and if you're not sure what those are, those can include alcohol consumption, drug abuse, uh, oversleeping, overeating, um, being hypersexual, um, you know, uh, pornography. Um, there's just so, so many of them, you know, that could be negative. And, and sometimes even the good ones, like if you exercise properly, right? But you can over-exercise, and that can be a negative coping skill, right? You're exercising to get away from whatever is going on, and you're not actually taking the time to handle whatever it is that um, triggered you in the first place. So your positive coping strategies, the first one, and, and the one that I think is, is the most important, is being able to do what's called a check-in. A check-in. I usually talk about this in relationships with other people, right? But even having a relationship with yourself, you have to check in with yourself. This is something that I do regularly. Uh, it's something that the people that are close to me, they also practice this. And it's just you taking the time to sit down with you and asking, how do I feel? And why do I feel that way? Or why have I felt that way? Um, recognizing when you aren't feeling your best, right? Recognizing when you're not making the best decisions and then challenging why you made those decisions. And if, if, if after you've set out the challenge, right, and you now you have your justification, um, if the reason that you made that decision is not in alignment with who you are as a person, okay, great. So now we know I'm not going to do that again. If it was in alignment with who you are and it was the right decision to make, okay, great. I made the right decision, right, based on what I know and the totality of the circumstances. And then we're going to move on from there. Other coping skills beyond just doing a check-in, right? Fitness, exercise, a body in motion stays in motion. I'm not telling you to go out here and overdo this, but I am telling you to go out here and do something. It's been scientifically proven that when you exercise down to a molecular, cellular level, there is a change that starts to happen in your body. Does this work for everybody? Absolutely not. There's no one size fits all when we're talking about 
working our way through stress and depression and, and burnout and all that kind of stuff. However, it is proven that more times than not, if a person gets out there, starts exercising, walking, running, swimming, biking, martial arts, boxing, jump rope, doing jumping jacks, push-ups, some type of calisthenics program, right? Um, going in and doing strength training, if you do an Olympic training, if you decide to do CrossFit, right? If you join an uh, intramural league, right? Whatever it is, you're doing some kind of exercise. has been proven that that is actually extremely beneficial for you when it comes to your mental health and resiliency. Another positive coping strategy, right, is talking to a professional. I can't stress this enough. Therapy does not make you weak. Therapy does not um, have to be used solely because you have a problem or things are going bad, right? You are entering into therapy because you want to learn how to handle anything that comes your way, right? You're using therapy as a preventative tool. It's not a reactive measure, right? And so we just have to change the way that we see that, you know. Um, I really love the fact that we're in this, this, this self-care generation and we now openly talk about our mental health and we talk about how we feel and our energy level, right? And the vibes that we will and won't accept, right? And we talk about therapy and, and how amazing that is. Um, and that, that's so beneficial. And I hope that that continues through the next generation and the next generation to the point that, you know, this discussion surrounding mental health loses even more of its stigma uh, and and people are just able to really pay attention to how different things impact them and why they impact them that way. Like 20 minutes ago, I was actually talking about how the things that we endure as children and, and things that you know we kind of grow into have an impact on who we become as adults, right? And, and, and sometimes we're not even able to recognize that these things have impacted us, right? Because it's us living our lives and we haven't turned that mirror back on us to uh, make ourselves aware. So beyond those things, <clears throat> I am a big proponent of reading. I love to read. It's one of the things that helps me to clear my mind. Um, so I like to get good books. And some people say, oh, you know, I really can't sit down and read. It's just so boring to me and so hard. Well, nobody's telling you to sit down for four hours at a time. But I'm pretty sure you could probably take 15 minutes and dig into a book or read an article, read an editorial, um, read a blog, you know, something like that. Everybody these days has a phone in their hand. Everybody's swiping through stuff. It's nothing. There are all kinds of free apps. I mean, hey, we still have libraries out here. You can go and get a library card, and then you can download books on Audible, Kindle, whatever, for free. Um, and you can have the book read to you, or you can read it yourself and just get back to living, right? So I know I just talked to you about utilizing your phone to read or going to get a book. But another thing that I really um, practice and, and something that I, I love to see people do is to disengage from social media, disengage from electronics, 
just disengage from trying to keep up with what's happening in the world and just get back to living. Like, I think about when we were kids. We didn't have access to phones and we didn't have such immediate access to the internet um, and all this, like, news and information, right? Like, we just rode bikes and played 007 and Super Mario uh, Brothers and, like, life was just different we spent a lot of time outdoors and then at some point between like the mid 2000s um and now like everything is about having the latest phone and, and being in the know being in the now um keeping up with the latest trends and stuff and i'm just really not sure like when the transition happened um but it's just not my favorite thing about where we're headed everywhere you go somebody is in a phone doing something every 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 time i look over into somebody's car they're texting and driving or they're working a phone at the red light they're walking through the intersection of traffic on the phone not paying attention um people out on dates both people on the phone there's no conversation happening you know like i'm like oh my god (laughs) what is happening here engage with people you know get off social media get away from technology that is one of the reasons why i really enjoyed the trip that we took to houston out to um get away and you know we put our phones in the lockbox and there were like we had a time for no phones and you just had to talk to each other and you know we cooked outside and we took walks and we exercised and and we rested and we read and we came back and we felt rejuvenated because we were not bogged down by everything that was happening with everybody else and it was amazing and i can't wait to do it again like i love that kind of stuff um i mean other coping strategies that i would tell you especially if you are a person that's feeling overwhelmed is to find time to do nothing. That is the only way to overcome the state of being overwhelmed, is to do nothing. I mean, to sit down, lay down something until your <clears throat> until your body comes out of that state of hyperarousal, and then you go into a state of rest, right? And everything just balances back out. Man, this episode was about so much and there's still so much more to say when it comes to mental health and resiliency and learning how to take care of yourself, right? Um, We see a lot of people on, on social media that are showing their bodies and are doing fitness and stuff like that. But um, when it comes to doing mental health, it's still something that is picking up traction. And while I, I do follow a bunch of like mental health pages, um, you know, I'm seeing like maybe like 17,000 people like this post or 30,000 people like this post. Granted, that doesn't mean that it didn't have a wider reach, right? But <clears throat> if we see something else with a person that's half naked or something like that, it can get up to like, five million eight million you know anything like that um and i just really want to see that same kind of engagement when it comes to people talking about um mental health and wellness because listen 
I don't care how hard you work. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what kind of love life you have. I don't care what type of um, <clears throat> what type of stuff you have in your home or how many accolades you have. If you are not taking care of your brain, I just, I just cannot be any more serious in this. But if you are not taking care of your brain, your thoughts will kill you, literally. From the inside out, your thoughts will kill you. And so that is why I tell you that it is so critically important that you take time to rest, to recover, and to make sure that you have something positive to think about, to rely on, to fall back on, to help lift you up. Because there's so much stuff happening in the world that is already negative that you have to be able to take care of you before you can take care of somebody else. So listen, that was our episode today on mental health. Please make sure you tune in um, later this week after I do the episode with Lindsay because that is going to be a significant treat. Um, as always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Latham underscore PhD. I am so excited to get the content rolling for the month of March um, because that's just my time. Like, it's the springtime. Whew, that's my season, y'all. So, listen, I got to get out of here. It's time for me to eat my breakfast and to hydrate and to take a nap, really go to sleep because I worked all last night. But um, I had such a good time today. I really did. And I look forward to doing this again and continuing to produce the content. So as always, take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. Can't stress it enough. Take care of yourself in all the many ways that we have to do that. And remember to be kind to yourself. All right. And uh, I will see you and we will talk again. Thank you so much.